It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. Looking for a city built above Looking for a city Where I'll never die Where the saint in millions Never say goodbye There we'll meet our Savior And our loved ones too Come our Holy Spirit
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and that was the worst church singer ever. That's new to Schlocktober 2020, and uh, Schlocktober, of course, a uh, different odd or horrible recording each day during the month of October. But let's move on right away, shall we? David Pinsky from Greenpeace USA is next. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, Greenpeace USA recently released a uh, report, in fact, in uh, late August, highlighting various reuse and refill models around the globe that have continued or can be used during this uh, uncertain time of uh, COVID-19 pandemic by ensuring strong sanitation or contactless systems for cons- uh, for containers. The report is called Reusables Are Doable. And uh, we're going to talk about that report and its uh, uh, ramifications and, and uh, applications with the senior plastics campaigner from Greenpeace USA, David Pinsky, who joins me by phone. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, what... Um, how did how did you come up with the idea that it was it was time to look at how we could do containers at it differently during COVID nineteen? Is is it because more people are ordering things like takeout, for example? Yeah, Tom. Great question. So that is absolutely part of it. And uh, also what we saw earlier uh, uh, this year as the pandemic started to pick up here in the U.S. was that the plastic industry was actually exploiting people's fears around COVID-19 uh, to push for additional single-use plastic packaging in containers. Uh, so we, we uh, released a report earlier uh, this year that was debunking uh, some of that uh, and, and calling attention to some of these tactics. And since then, Tom, we've now seen 130 health experts from around the world uh, noting the ways that reusables can be used safely during the pandemic and also noting that single-use plastics and reusables, they're not inherently safer. Um, it's just how they are used. So especially during this time, Tom, where we're seeing so much widespread uh, disposable plastic and other packaging used during the pandemic, it really is an opportunity for us to shift to reuse. What's the difference? I, I mean, it's, it, this sounds like kind of a um, 
kind of a dumb question, but I, I think we all have an idea of what single use means. But what's the difference between single use containers and reuse containers? Yeah, so when we look at single use, I mean, you could think about a cucumber that's wrapped in plastic. You could think about a, a plastic uh, shopping bag that you would get at Walmart. Uh, and, and these plastics can be used for sometimes just seconds, and then they last a lifetime or multiple lifetimes. Plastics never actually break down. They just fragment into smaller and smaller pieces. Now, if we looked at a reusable model here, well, there's the reusable uh, shopping bag, right? Um, there's also reusable coffee cups. Uh, sometimes folks can use reusable containers uh, if you go normally to a co-op. And, and some, some uh, larger grocers uh, permitting us to take in our own containers for bulk food sections. So those are some examples. Uh, and, and really one of the things here, Tom, is that many of these technologies, they don't have to be that sophisticated, right? We had the milkman for many years. Um, we see reusable bottle programs in markets, especially in Europe and, and South America. Uh, so we're really trying to move back to those systems and, and say goodbye to this throwaway culture. Um, I, I know, for example, a lot of people buy. It, my show is based in Flint, Michigan, so most of the people I know um, buy an awful lot of bottled water. And um, it comes in plastic containers, very often, you know, crushed and thrown in the in the trash. But I also know people who will take one of those. Uh, plastic bottles of water, drink the water, and then continue to refill it and use it for other beverages. Yeah, and so that certainly is a, a, a pretty uh, low-tech way where you can reuse um, uh, that, that water bottle. And I think that's an important point to note um, here in Flint that uh, certainly it is going to depend on where you're living, whether the water is safe to drink. Um, and so we do see communities, um, not just unfortunately here in the U.S., but around the world uh, that do need to rely on bottled water uh, because there is not a safe drinking water. Uh, so there are certainly some models where uh, there could be uh, reusable containers involved in the distribution of water. But ultimately, we need to see a safe and, and clean drinking water as well as access to food and and uh, and uh, safe communities, clean communities, and that really comes down to uh, back to uh, this plastic pollution crisis where we've seen companies say, hey, we need to have, to, everything needs to be disposable, right? And that's not only impacting us um, when we look at the pollution side, but also on the production side. So plastics are made from fossil fuels, um, and there are impacts throughout the entire life cycle of plastics, which largely are putting um, low-income communities and communities of color on the front line of uh, this extractive industry. Um, can we explore some of the things that you, uh, uh, some of the systems that you uh, were able to identify um, in the process of, of putting this report together and, and publishing this report? Um, some of the reusable models like contactless coffee systems. What is that? So contactless coffee systems, this has uh, emerged in response to the pandemic. So we've seen a lot of adaptation, a lot of challenges, and ultimately needing to make sure that people, um, particular communities in crisis and folks that are trying to stay healthy during the pandemic, uh, we do have different ways of getting uh, goods to them. So for contactless coffee, 
This is essentially a system where a customer can take in their reusable uh, coffee cup uh, to a cafe. They place it on the counter or a tray. Uh, the customer backs away. The employee will come with a cup and they'll pour it without touching the reusable cup. They'll pour the coffee or tea into that cup, build back away. Then the customer approaches and picks up the cup. And then the employee will sanitize uh, the cup that they used. Uh, so this is, uh, Tom, this is a hygienic way of uh, having a reuse system during the pandemic. It ensures social distancing. It ensures strong sanitization. And once somebody has uh, made that initial investment in that reusable coffee cup, uh, you know, this is something where it's going to um, sometimes have a benefit where they can actually get a discount by bringing in their own uh, reusable cup. And and what's um, Loop? So Loop is probably one of the most well-known third-party reuse companies that started last year. It offers well-known grocery brands to customers in reusable containers. Uh, so if you think about the Milkman model, this is one where um, you get products delivered to your doorstep and they come in reusable containers. Uh, customers will use those products and return the reusable packaging to Loop, which then sanitizes them and prepares them for the next customer. Uh, so we've seen some uh, some pretty big names like Kroger and Walgreens starting to work with Loop. Uh, we've seen some other um, uh, startups like the Wally Shop and Zero, um, which also offer uh, grocery delivery in reusable containers, and and especially. You know, especially, Tom, during the pandemic, as, uh, as we're seeing more and more folks opt for uh, grocery delivery or grocery pickup and, and food delivery, um, that's created an enormous amount of, of, of waste. And so anywhere where we can see some uh, shifts to reuse, that's certainly going to be helpful for our planet and also for the health of communities. Now, um, here's one that... that caught my eye um, because we're talking about takeout uh, food, um, takeout meal systems like dispatch goods where reusable containers are returned for commercial cleaning, like almost like returnable bottles. That's right. And, and so that is, that's a, a system that can be used and be used safely even during the pandemic. And so we're, one, of, one of the things that's really exciting about a model like Dispatch Goods is the company is able to work with local restaurants and ensure that they have some business. And especially in a time I was reading an article the other week where 100,000 restaurants uh, had closed nationwide. And so we know there's a lot of pain right now um, sure. uh, for folks that have been working in the food service industry. And so anywhere we can be providing business um, and ultimately, when, again, we look at reuse, there are opportunities for jobs, and we need to make sure that they're good-paying union jobs and large companies as well. You know, if we look at Walmart, Aldi, Meyer, that they're doing their part uh, to invest in communities and provide uh, uh, good jobs as well. More with David Pinsky from Greenpeace USA, straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by America, the your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky, soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, pearly gate rock, all dug up, lying in the chapel, and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in checker money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residence, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with David Pinsky from Greenpeace USA, straight ahead. Now, here's here's one that sounds kind of high-tech, based in Chile. Um, El Gramo, using vending machines and an electric vehicle delivery system. That's That sounds almost like, uh, I don't know, having drones parachute stuff to your house. Yeah, it, it's so it's a it's a, a new model that's um well it's been there I think about um 8 years or so now and an expanded marketplace that started in Santiago and now has uh, been expanding throughout Chile and they've actually now launched in New York City as well. And so this is this is a way for folks to use reusable containers to get staples um whether that be rice or beans uh and some cleaning products and so you're able to pay for the amount of product that you need. So you could take your container up to that vending machine and say you only want to fill up a dollar worth or, or 50 cents worth. Um, <laughs> that way you're not required to spend you know, several dollars if you don't need that. And of course you can have this reusable container. And that's, that sounds uh, a little bit like, uh, like going to get gas. Exactly. And, you know, we've also seen some others um, here in the U.S. Uh, Ecopod uses a similar model as Al Gramo, and that's based in um, in Miami, but expanding throughout Florida and starting to work with uh, both these companies are now starting to work with uh, big consumer goods brands like Nestle and Unilever. Um, and so, again, that is encouraging. Although, Tom, given the scale of, of this plastic pollution crisis, and I noted the impacts to the climate, um, also to low-income communities and communities of color, we really need to see uh, much bolder action uh, from these businesses. So even if they invest a fraction of the billions of dollars they make every single year, um, that's going to help uh, put us on the right direction for healthier communities and a healthier planet. Now, Greenpeace, of course, has been uh, uh, campaigning, uh, as, as you well know, as the senior plastics campaigner to, you know, for a reduction in plastic use, been working on this for a long time. Has COVID-19 um, and and the need for better sanitizing um, actually kind of helped focus more of a spotlight on how not sanitary the use of some kinds of plastics can be? It's certainly been a priority for us to focus on uh, the, the need for sanitization and also to be reassuring uh, to folks, um, customers and workers alike. Uh, so, you know, folks working in a Meijer or, or Walmart or Aldi, they're, you know, really wanting to make sure that, that they are safe and we need to see these companies providing uh, appropriate PPE, um, paid time off and benefits um, so that folks can stay safe. And, and one thing, Tom, as I noted earlier, is that we have seen the plastic industry try to exploit people's fears and, and kind of, you know, use this false idea that, that single-use plastics are safer than reusables. Although, as I noted, we've seen health experts that have debunked that and said, look, uh, single-use plastics aren't inherently safer than reusables. It really is about how you use whatever the packaging is and do it in a safe way. Um, so I think what we're, what we're seeing is, 
it's twofold. One is that education piece of, of how we can use reusables safely. And then the other is, yes, to point to all of the harm that single-use plastics are doing, uh, the public health threats, the climate threats, uh, the communities that are in the shadows of an incinerator um, or on the Gulf Coast in the shadows of a petrochemical facility. Um, there's, there's a lot of impacts that go into um, single-use plastics, and we need to be talking about that and turning this pressure back on the companies that got us into this mess in the first place and saying, hey, you know what? <laughs> we reject this. We want to see a different future. We want to see investments in our communities, uh, a healthy communities, a healthy planet, good-paying jobs. So it, it has been an opportunity for us to talk about this and really put that pressure uh, back on some of these large corporations. What about things that we use around the house? And and I don't want to pick on any one product or company, but I'm thinking of like saran wrap, um, where you use it to, to, you know, wrap leftover food or something and put it in the refrigerator and then, you know, you get that food out and you peel the wrap off and throw it in the, the trash um, is that contributing to this this um, plastic waste that doesn't go away? It, it certainly is. I you know, but I, I would point to many of these other single use plastics. Say whether it's a straw, a plastic shopping bag. Um, you know, some of these items that are used literally for seconds and then discarded uh, and then last for lifetimes. Uh, so I, I think there are models, there are different applications that you could uh, have at home to, to preserve uh, goods. Every, every material we use is going to have some type of impact, but the idea here is with reuse um, that you're able to extend uh, the life cycle of those materials used and ultimately have a better impact um, overall on our on our planet and on our communities. Um, so, you know, one one I'd say is aluminum foil, right? Um, there's certainly um, there's certainly implications of using aluminum. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable, uh, whereas uh, plastic saran wrap, there's no way to recycle that. You know, there are these film collection and bag collections at stores, but if you actually dig into some of that data, <laughs> um, not a lot of it is getting recycled. Um, and it goes back to this um, overall market where single-use, or uh, excuse me, version plastic, so new plastic, is so much cheaper to make than recycled plastic. So there uh, obviously is a business incentive for companies that are looking to save money. Um, they're going to go with the new plastic um, rather than try to pay for that recycled plastic. Yeah, what about, um, say, Tupperware versus Saran Wrap? Um Tupperware is plastic, but yet it's something that people use over and over for years. Is that the better um, alternative? Well, so certainly you're able to reuse it, right? Um, I I try, uh, you know, when I've when I've had Saran Wrap, if I'm visiting my folks' house, or uh, you know, I, I've used Saran Wrap before, and I try to reuse it, right? Um, but absolutely, having Having a reusable container, um, something that can get um, dozens or hundreds of uses is very helpful. And we mentioned earlier dispatch goods, um, they actually use stainless steel containers with silicone lids. And so one of the advantages there is that um, you're not going to have some of these harmful chemicals that are um, added uh, to plastics. 
uh, that could potentially leach into food, especially if it's microwaved. Uh, so there's a whole host, Tom, of, of, uh, of health impacts of plastics. So again, not just the production and the disposal of them, but also uh, emerging evidence about the health impacts of actually, you know, them leaching into our foods. So I think that's another thing for folks to consider. Um, and at the end of the day, though, we need to have all of this be affordable. And so that's, again, where we need to put this pressure back on these companies, um, the Walmarts, uh, the Targets, the Kroger's of the world, Meyer, to say, hey, look, we need you to, 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 to share some of this responsibility um, to use your massive coffers uh, to ensure that we can move to a, a more reusable, um, uh, cleaner, healthier future. You know, as you were talking, as we were talking about saran wrap as, as sort of an example, um, I, I think of all my trips to the meat counter and those little styrofoam plates with the, you know, meat sitting on there displayed, <laughs> excuse me, displayed through the, the clear plastic wrap and, and it's, you know, wrapped, it's kind of a saran wrap kind of thing. And that stuff, you know, it goes home, the meat gets used, and then styrofoam and, and a hunk of plastic go into the trash, as opposed to uh, a day gone by when uh, butchers would wrap meat in paper. Exactly. And so that, that's a great example, right? You have all this additional packaging. Paper can be uh, composted. Paper can biodegrade. It's not going to... Um, persist uh, for lifetimes in our environment like plastic. Um, we have seen some, uh, some larger retailers in, in, in Canada. There's a retailer, uh, a Metro, that has, uh, has a pilot program where folks in the Quebec area can take in their own containers, um, even to the seafood or the meat counter. Um, so by that way, you're eliminating all that additional packaging. Of course, a lot has shifted with the pandemic, and so we need to be mindful of those operational challenges for retailers. But I think that points out, Tom, that this is not should not be an afterthought. This should be something that companies are investing in identifying the systems that can be used and making them affordable and accessible for everyone. And back to Saran Wrap, it had me uh, think about uh, Walmart just made an announcement where it's um, now featuring some English cucumbers, which are often so longer cucumbers that are wrapped in uh, plastic wrap. And now actually this one company they're working with uh, uses a thin layer of, um, uh, they reference in the article that uh, from banana leaves, uh, and it's a thin layer that's applied to the cucumber, and it keeps the cucumber sh shelf stable um, for at least, you know, a, a, a decent amount of time. So it's not going to degrade, um, and you don't need uh, the plastic wrap. So there's innovations that are out there. Again, it really makes a difference when large companies uh, get behind them uh, so that we can see them be scaled uh, throughout the country. Is is um, Are there products that are being developed that can altogether replace plastic? I know that sounds like a big <laughs> order, David, but uh, but but if the goal is to, you know, to, to stop piling plastic into landfills, it, it would be best if we didn't use plastic at all, but it has become so much a part of our lives. Is there... A, 
are there products in development that that could ultimately replace plastic altogether? Well, so I mentioned that one example with the cucumbers. So that's one application. I, I think it's a it's a really important question. And and look, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to identify those alternatives. Um, I'm hopeful that we can certainly make a massive impact in reducing the amount of single-use plastics uh, used. Uh, but again, Tom, it goes to the, the different materials that are used. Uh, they all have an impact, right? So it's being very thoughtful about how we are, uh, what types of materials we're using. I think what's certain, though, is that whether it be plastic or paper or um, any other material, we can't just use it once and discard it. So overall, we need to see the shift toward uh, reuse um, models and and to shift away from that disposable culture that has been uh, sold to us by the plastic industry, um, you know, for seventy years now, really started in the fifties. Can you can you point to how um, reducing plastic use can save businesses money? So there is in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, there's a program called Rethink Disposable, and they work with uh, local restaurants uh, that are looking to save money, looking to uh, save money not just for their operations, but also for their customers uh, to make it affordable, and then also, um, of course, to have those environmental uh, benefits. Uh, so they, they've done a variety of pilots. They've worked with the University of San Francisco. They've worked with some tech companies and then uh, uh, smaller uh, independent uh, restaurants uh, to to shift over uh, from some throwaway uh, plates or cups and then to have uh, commercial dishwashing uh, so that they are able to use reusable cutlery and plates. And seeing that, uh, it obviously depends on the size of the operation, um, the restaurant or the, you know, if it's a, a dining hall, um, but have seen that, uh, look, there are savings that can go from hundreds of dollars to thousands of dollars and, uh, and tens of thousands of dollars. So there's absolutely an economic uh, incentive here. And in our report, Tom, uh, we cite uh, some research from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation that was showing if we're just finding 20% of single-use plastics are replaced with uh, reusables, there's a $10 billion economic incentive. Um, so now that's, you know, the writing's on the wall that there is uh, money that can be saved here. Of course, our focus now is to make sure that those benefits don't just be uh, um, realized by the large corporations, but that we can pass that on uh, to communities and to folks and get them in good paying union jobs. Now, the report is uh, called, once again, uh, Reusables Are Doable from uh, Greenpeace USA. I'm talking with David Pinsky, the senior plastics campaigner for Greenpeace. And the the report, David, um, highlights reusable models around the globe. Um, how did how did you collect this information? How how was this report put together? So we have been doing work on our, our plastics campaign for several years. We're part of a global movement called Break Free from Plastic which has grown enormous, enormously. It's now uh, approaching 2,000 organizations from around the world, um, all working to realize a plastic-free future, to have zero waste, to move away from 
uh, single-use plastics. And so there's a lot of organizations um, as a part of this movement that have done work, especially during the pandemic, um, looking at these reopening guides, identifying various um, uh, reuse uh, models and companies from around the world. Um, we also, uh, Tom, put out last year uh, a report called the Smart Supermarket, uh, which features um, some reusable models and applications in ways that you could, let's, let's just envision what would it look like to go into a supermarket um, that is uh, 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 rid of single-use plastic and what would that shopping experience be like. So we, we pull on a lot of information from our allies um, and also do, do the research ourselves to identify what are some of these new and emerging uh, businesses and technologies. Are, are um, countries around the world as uh, addicted to plastic as uh, the U.S. seems to be? But we, we've, seen, we've seen, yes, that there's, there's a lot of use of single-use plastics around the world. Um, what, what is heartening is we're, we're seeing countries push back, even, even during the pandemic. Um, you know, we look at in Australia, the government of Victoria um, uh, coming out and saying, look, uh, reusables are okay to use. Um, we're seeing some uh, countries such as Singapore, where there's uh, high level government officials encouraging folks to use reusables even during the pandemic. Uh, so we're starting to see action that's that's taken around the world during the pandemic and even before then. Um, you know, Kenya has has banned uh, single-use plastic bags, and, um, and many other countries as well are taking action on single-use plastics. Uh, and here, Tom, in the U.S., um, uh, Congress has introduced the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act, uh, so that would help us uh, to reduce our reliance on single-use plastics. Um, and I, I think it's just it's a matter of time for us to make this transition. We're trying to speed that up, of course, um, because pandemic or no pandemic, we're still facing a climate crisis. We're still facing uh, a plastic pollution crisis. So when we come together, when we put pressure on our elected officials and on, on big corporations, uh, you know, we can achieve so much and create that livable, uh, healthy, uh, safe future that we all uh, want and, and, and deserve. David, when you release a report like this, um, like you did uh, back at the end of August, um, and I know the obvious answer is everybody, but who is it that you're hoping will see this report? So it's it's uh, it's really twofold here. Uh, certainly, we want we want the public to see it. So I encourage listeners uh, to go to Greenpeace.org um, and check out reusables are doable. Or if you just search online, reusables are doable in Greenpeace, uh, you'll be able to check out the report. Um, ultimately, Tom, we want to see governments and businesses uh, use this report. Uh, it's it's incumbent, uh, essential for. Uh, for restaurants, for retailers, and large consumer goods companies uh, to see this report um, and, and to use this within their businesses to identify what are the solutions, what are the ways that they can change. Uh, so I've mentioned multiple times, you know, Walmart, Aldi, Meyer, Kroger, Target, some of these big name retailers, we need to see the Coca-Colas, the PepsiCo's, the Unilever's of the world um, to also uh, see this report and recognize that it's, it's not just uh, possible, but it is essential, essential if we want to have a livable future, essential if we want to have healthy communities um, and to rid ourselves of, of uh, disposable plastics. Have, have you seen with reports in the past, maybe even this, uh, this report, 
so far. Um, any evidence that uh, a, a business or, or an individual might uh, look at the report and, and be inspired to come up with something that you haven't yet seen or cited? That, that's great. Uh, great question. So I, I'm not sure if I could say I, there's been new technologies created or, or a new business form, but certainly um, in, in, in the past with Greenpeace's campaigning, we have, we've absolutely seen uh, companies at the highest level, so the, you know, the CEO level, to say, okay, enough is enough. We are going to take this issue seriously, whether that be on uh, sustainable seafood um, to to reducing single-use plastics. Uh, you know, one example I would say is uh, Giant Eagle, which is based out of uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a regional grocer um, that has made really a historic commitment this past December uh, to eliminate all single-use plastics in its operations by 2025. And it's multiple multiple things that happen in the world, right, to get somebody to that point to say, hey, I'm going to make a change. Um, but we have a legacy of doing uh, work to push corporations, to push these, um, you know, massive entities to do the right thing. And so, I, you know, I would certainly say that it is very helpful when we put out these reports uh, that show businesses, show elected officials, show the world that it is possible to make these changes. Well, David, thanks so much for spending time with me today to talk about this and uh, to share with people uh, this information, but also the link, of course, to greenpeace.org, uh, where they can see the whole report and, and probably links to a lot of other information that might be interesting and useful. Uh, David Pinsky is my guest. He is the senior plastics campaigner for Greenpeace USA. Once again, thank you, David. Thank you, Tom. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, super bad, transmittable, super 
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long format interviews with New York Times bestselling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magic.
magical place with magical charms indoors 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 take it away hey this is first ward city councilman eric mays and you're listening to the tom sumner program And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. National Geographic Kids has a uh, new book out called Girls Can. Uh, They can smash stereotypes, defy expectations, and make history. And it includes interviews with uh, Oprah Winfrey, Nancy Pelosi, and more. And here to talk about that and uh, Girls Can in general is uh, the director of brain growth at Equality for Her, a nonprofit organization working toward a more inclusive, compassionate world. Um, her name is Tora Shea Pruden, and Tora joins me by phone. Tora, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How did you get connected with uh, National Geographic Kids? Well, um, I was pulled in through a friend of mine, and Marissa and Paige and I just clicked, and we kind of made magic. Um, and and how does that connect? Um, what was your role in uh, in the book? Well, we I was a co-writer of the book. So the three of you did this book together, and and how did that uh, how did that come about? Did you uh, meet and put together a list of uh, people that you wanted to talk to and include, um, and and then just divide up who would uh, interview or talk to who? Well, first it started with a um, a list of um, a list of types of we started with like history literature we like we a list of topics and from there we started with a list of names of women throughout history and times that we wanted to include as just um, writing about how they had affected history and just you know their lives and we it took us so long to um you know write down and divvy up their names and figure out who was going to stay in the book and and who who would be eliminated from the list because when we first wrote so so long and (laughs) you know we had to cross out some names we added more names we just it was so long to figure out you know just how figure out just how we were going to divvy up that list. So um, from there, we just kind of had to figure out who we wanted to interview. Um, And then we kind (laughs) of split it down the middle. We figured out who was going to write what based off of who had put out which names. And we wrote we split it down the middle and split it three ways. And that was, that was all she wrote. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I won't do it to you, but I am so tempted to ask about the names that got crossed off. Um, (laughs) No, 
you're going to make me cry because I'm still sad about it. <laughs> well, I, I won't do that to you, but... I still have the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you... Um, do you have any favorite interviews um, or, or snapshots of history from the book that you can share? Um, one of my favorite interviews is Roxanne Gay. Another is Chimamanda's interview. Um, she's just one of my idols in general. Um, one of the snapshots throughout history. Hmm. Let's see. Um, I keep saying Angela Mao um, because of just how um, truly iconic her. Um, she was one of the first. She was the first kung fu. Um, she was the first kung fu artist to be filmed in over thirty films. Um, Another Sojourner Truth is always just her contribution to history is just unparalleled. Um, it's so hard with with all of the women and all of their contributions. I always feel like um, when <laughs> when I say one, it, it's um, Marsha P. Johnson as well is a her her contribution as a trans rights activist is I, is just unparalleled as well. Um, the, book, <laughs> the book is titled Girls Can to dispel the notion that for some reason um, there was this idea that there were some things that girls couldn't do. And I, I just wonder, in this age of hashtag Me Too and women in the legislature, women in business, women in space, um, if if that that notion that girls can't do that has it gone by the wayside or is it still out there? Um. Well, no, I don't think that it's gone by the wayside. I think that. Uh, girls can't do this is something that we're still being told pretty regularly. I think we're still being slapped in the face with uh, being told that there are things that we cannot do uh, pretty, pretty often um, when we, uh, I, when we try to, <laughs> when we try, when we, I think that there are ceilings that we come up against um, often um, anytime that we step outside our homes and we try to walk home at night without the fear of assault, that's something that we can't do. Um, th there are things that women and girls cannot do quite often. So I, 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 I would love to say that we live in a world where, where it, it's, free for where women are free to do everything that they choose to without without freedom without you know it any consequences or anyone telling them that 
that they cannot do it. But unfortunately, we just do not live in that world yet. And I, that's why I do think that it is necessary for books like this and for programming and for representation to still exist. Um, so more of this, I say. I, I've talked to a lot of um, educators and, and some writers who are, are really concerned about um, getting especially young women interested in in science and math that's always been something well girls don't like science and math or you know that's not something that they they can be good at um and and yet we've seen proof that that's not true but is there an element to this book that that encourages young girls um and young women to um pursue things that they haven't before, like science and math. Yes, there are definitely elements to the book that tackle stereotypes and myths that girls can't like math and girls don't like science and um, and breaks those myths and stereotypes down. Um, and, um, and there are also various um, scientists and mathematicians that are in the that are highlighted within the book, um, and that should be very inspiring to to any girls that read this book and any women that read this book. So, um, but I, I definitely do think that um, girls in STEM is something that we should that we should be um, championing and, and celebrating. Um, and the book, who is the book written for, and are you a little bit concerned that that? that the title girls can um will will say to some people that this book is for girls only um i think that the book is for anyone that that cares about girls um and i i hope that the impression that it's just for girls um is not it while I hope that girls feel like this is for them um, I, I do love when girls feel like things are for them because I, I love making things for girls um, um, I I do hope that they feel like this is special for them I don't want I don't want um, boys and um, other gendered persons to feel like this isn't this isn't for them too, because I do want them to read about girls and women throughout history um, and be inspired and know what what girls are capable of as well. And there's even a portion in the book called Boys Can, which is about um, boys feeling like um, they're being confined to boxes and that they can... Um, be that they can live outside of the stereotypes that are placed on them so i i do feel like this is for anybody that cares about girls and and you know what that what they can accomplish and and it's for women too who want to um read about women throughout history and girl and what they can accomplish so you know come one come all <laughs> more with torah shea pruden straight ahead <laughs> Tom Sumner, Program.com The Tom Sumner, 
Program.com. You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 